Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I want to declare this prophetic word over everyone in here because it's actually for you. This word was spoken by the uh, prophetic voice of Mike Maiden over this campus, this particular campus. So that means if you're a part of this campus or sitting in this campus today, this is a word for you that you can put your amen to. He said, the campus of champions. He said, you, he was pointing to John and I said, you are the pastors of champions. When people come here, greatness will be awakened in them. Destinies will be discovered and anointings will be unleashed. The campus of champions. So let's all put our amen to that prophetic word over each and every one of us. God is so good. He is so good. You know, the title of my message today is The Making of a Champion. But before I dive into that message, sometimes what people need on days like today are not just a message. They actually need the Holy Spirit to minister to them. And I know that Pastor Charles was so incredibly powerful and beautiful in his prayer, oh everyone, and that's not to replace what we're about to do now. But I really feel like before we can dive into a message, some of us need the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to us. And so, especially over our fathers, but this can apply to anyone in here, but if I wanna ask for three groups of people to stand to their feet in a moment, I just wanna pray over you. If you're in here today and you've, belie- you've been believing to become a father, and that not, has not yet happened, I wanna pray over you. If you are in here today and you have a, a child away from the Lord and your heart is breaking today, a day that's meant, meant to bring joy and laughter and family and honor and, and love, Your heart is breaking today. I want to pray over you. And if for for whatever reason, male or female, mother, father, son or daughter, if this day does not bring those types of emotions, love, joy, honor, excitement, celebration, if if this day actually represents some pain for you, I'd like to pray over you so we can minister to you before Um, we dive into the word. So if you're one of those two people, male or female, go ahead and stand your feet. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna pray over you guys. Go ahead and stand your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're around someone that's standing, go ahead and just include them in your prayer, contend for them. But let's just pray together. So God, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you that while a message isn't necessarily able to do this, but the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit can. So Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to be present in this room, that the Holy Spirit would minister to each one, especially those that are standing. Lord, I thank you that your word has the power to heal. 
Your word has the power to set the captives free. Your word can be sent out, Father God, to bring back a son or daughter that is lost and bring them back into the house of God. Lord, your word can open wombs that have been shut. Your word can fulfill every desire that we have in your heart. Lord, your word is powerful and effective to heal, to set free, to break strongholds, to deliver, to minister to, to bring joy where there's been grief. Lord, so I just pray for everyone standing. Lord, you know each and every individual need. And God, I'm just trusting in you. You are the good God, the good heavenly Father who wants good things for their children. So I declare the good things of the Lord over each and every person standing and each and every child represented in this place. So God, we thank you. God, we come with such confidence and assurance knowing that you are not just able, you are more than able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for in their lives. So Lord, I just ask that their hearts would be ministered to. Lord, that their tears wept in grief would be replaced with tears of joy as we look to you, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Friend, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's just thank God for, for what he's doing in this place already. How beautiful. Thank you so much, team. Beautiful. Well, like I said earlier, the title of my message is The Making of a Champion. So, like I said, we're sitting in a campus filled with champions already, and some of you are going to be awakened today that you actually already are when you don't yet believe it for yourself. But I want to encourage you how we can make champions in this place. And the first thing is to let God's Word be your training manual. Let God's word be your training manual. The Bible says in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf will also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Uh, Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, my son, do not forget my laws, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And I love this, this short verse in Psalm 119, 105 that says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word, this word, this training manual is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
And that is such a powerful statement when you actually realize that every direction you will need in life is contained within these pages. This is God's training manual for humanity. And thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is so potent and so powerful of a truth that Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith decided to write a song about it. Yes? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank God for the word of God for Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. Come on. It is, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It, God's word, this word lights our way. Every step we take, it lights the way and it gives us wisdom for the journey down the path of life. And I want to tell you right now, there are many dark paths that we could stumble upon in this life. And some don't even appear dark at its very onset. And I will actually tell you this, that most dark paths do not appear dark. A dark and wicked at its onset. They actually are pleasing and pleasant to the eye. And it's the same trick from the beginning of time where the serpent tricked Eve by giving her the apple. The apple that if she bit into it would bring in sin and death to not just her and Adam, but the whole earth and all of humanity. But it said that the apple was pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise. So she took a bite of it and sin and death entered the world. There are many dark paths that look pleasing to the eye. And if less you know the word of God and the directions and the steps that you are meant to take and the paths you are not meant to go down, you will end up on a very dark path that does not lead to life but destruction. We need to have God's word train us, teach us, develop us, and employ us into all the things that God has called us to. If you're struggling in your marriage, this book will show you how to repair it. If you have fear or anxiety, this book will show you how to crush it. If you are struggling with pride or bitterness, this manual shows you how to overcome it. If you have sickness in your body, this word will show you how to heal it. If you don't even know how to talk to your boss or your wife or anyone else for that matter, this book has the keys to communication that can unlock anything that you need for your relationships. If you're struggling with addiction, this manual shows you how to be free. If you're struggling with a broken heart, it shows you how to heal it. Anything we could ever need, want, or desire in our lives is contained within these pages. It is a training manual for humans. So we wonder why there's so much brokenness in our lives and in the world because people have refused or not been able to pick up this book and read the thing that will bring light unto their path. This is our training manual. We'd be foolish not to read about all the things that God has for us. In this book, Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. My people. He's not talking about people that don't know the Lord. He's talking about my people. My people that should be reading this training manual are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge because we don't know what's in the book. And we are led astray because we don't know the past that God has for us in this book. Herein lies every solution to every human problem on the planet. We can never lose when we live by the word of God. 
We can never lose when we live by the word of God. Oh, we'll trace, face trials, you know, and tribulations. That, that's a guarantee. But we will never lose when we live by the principles that are in this book. Every single time I have lived by the principles that are in this book, I have flourished. I've experienced abundance and joy and peace and breakthrough. Every single time I set this book aside and went my own way, it caused destruction that had to be overcome in my life. You never lose when you apply these principles to your life, the training manual for humanity. You know, and so we share some of these stories and people think they're entertaining. But, you know, when I, we've, we've talked about how, you know, when John and I were dating and about to get married, I, I found out that he wasn't a tither. What is a tither? A tither brings 10% into the house of God of everything that you earn. The Bible says that 10% of your income belongs to the Lord. It's actually not yours. So if you don't bring it to the house of God, you rob it from God. And there are things attached to when you do that. And so I didn't just tell John, I'm not going to marry you if, you don't, if, if you're not going to tithe because I was legalistic or harsh or just bossy. I am a little bossy, but it wasn't to be bossy. It was, it was because I wanted us to live under an open heaven. I wanted us to live without John feeling the full weight and stress of being the sole provider of our home. I wanted us to partner with our heavenly father, the supernatural provider who can multiply every seed that we have sown, that will never leave us or forsake us, that will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We needed to partner with God because I knew that finances were was one of the biggest things that can cause destruction and stress and divorce in marriages. And that was not going to be our story. So we were going to live by the word of God or we weren't getting married. And he was totally fine with it. He's like, yeah, easy, done. Let's go. How much? 10%. Here I am. Here's my check. Like, it was just like, okay. Like, he didn't know. He didn't know that that was a principle in the word of God that literally could have a curse hanging over a life or blessing. Malachi 3, 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God says. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all your tithes, 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And then I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. I did not want us to live under a curse. I wanted us to live under the blessing of heaven where the pressure of the provision was reliant on our heavenly father who was our supernatural provider. I want the favor factor, man. I want the blessing factor. I want the multiplication factor. I want the supernatural factor operating in this area of our lives so we can never lose when we apply the principles of God to our life. And I wanted us to never fear around finance. There is so much fear on finance, and I'm not going to say I've overcome it. It'll try to sneak in again and again, but I have to keep smashing it with faith through the word of God. But I did not want to always live in fear of provision or finance or we would have enough or, uh, you know. And so, so when everything crashed, you know our story. We, we had 13 properties in our late 20s, and, and we just kept buying more properties. We were really aggressively investing. And so when, when we actually, when, when our 
builders didn't complete the contracts and houses were left unfinished yet we were paying on them and then our renters all lost their jobs and they stopped paying rent when we lost everything down to $200 to our name we had two babies 12 two babies under 12 months I had a brand new baby and a 12 month old and we lost everything. We were at the point where we didn't actually know where groceries and gas money was going to come from. But I will tell you this, we never gave in to fear. Was there times where we freaked out? Absolutely, because we're human beings. However, we never actually surrendered to fear. We stayed in faith because I know what this word says. And he says, he shall supply all my needs, that he will provide, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he will multiply every seed that is sown and everything we have sown will produce a harvest. So we just kept looking to the harvest that was coming and fear never was able to enter our hearts because we lived by the principles in this book. If you want to be a champion and have the fullest, blessed, most powerful, peaceful lives, we need to let this book be our training manual. Amen? Amen. Amen. The second point, the making of a champion. You need teammates and trainers. You need teammates and trainers. More than likely, all of us have heard that it is not good for man to be alone. It's preached about all the time, and I think sometimes it can feel redundant. But do we truly believe that it's not good for man to be alone? It was the first thing in the beginning of time that God said was not good. Everything was good, yes, good, love it, love the sun, love the fish, love the trees, love the herbs, I love it all. Creative Adam, so good. And then all of a sudden, right away, God immediately recognized after he created Adam that it was not good. It was God and Adam all to themselves, and he said it was not good. So no one in this room can convince me that you just have a great relationship with God and you don't need the church because it's unbiblical. It's not good for man to be alone. He puts us in a family of God. We are a part of the body of Christ when we, when we have Jesus as our personal savior. And so I want to point this out too, that some of us think that we don't need like people challenging us or, or speaking into our lives or training us or developing us. And we're just going to wait for that companionship until we get married. But let's remind ourselves what God says before he brought Eve to Adam, that it was not good for man to be alone. Eve just so happened to be the solution to Adam's aloneness at the beginning of time. But Eve isn't the sole solution to our need for teammates and trainers and to be a part of the body of Christ. So when I talk about teammates or I talk about trainers, I'm not just talking about having friends. And I'm not just talking about having a full social calendar. A lot of people have full social calendars. But is anyone in your social circle actually sharpening you, training you, developing you, coaching you to be better, to be all that God created you to be? Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So who is sharpening your life? Who is sharpening your life? Does anyone in your social circle, your friendship group, have the ability to challenge you or train you in how you speak to your wife or speak to your husband? Does anyone sharpen you when it comes to the anger or the pride or the lack of faith or that fear you allowed to creep in or the insecurities or the self-medicating? 
Has anyone in your life allowed to sharpen you and challenge you to make you better, to make you better? Many, many years ago, we had Dale Strawberry come through our campus, and he shared this with us. He said the one thing that led to his ultimate destruction was that no one in his life could tell him no. He said, no one in my life told me no. Whatever I asked for, whether it was alcohol, illicit drugs, or prostitutes, no one was willing to tell me no. He said, they would give me what I wanted up until the point of multiple overdoses. He had, he had a lot of friends, big social circle, lots of fame, but not one person in his close network of teammates was actually a friend enough to tell him no. So do we have friendship circles? Do we have teammates that allow us to do things that will destroy our life while they stay silent? Or do we have trainers, coaches, teammates in our life that will challenge us to be the best that we can be through Christ Jesus? And so that's going to take some teammates that are actually reading the same manual that we are. We need teammates on our team that are reading the same manual. Can you imagine like being on a football team and everyone has a different playbook that they memorized. How in the world are they ever going to win the game if everyone on the field with them has a different training manual, a different set of rules, a different set of guidelines of integrity and character? It would be a hot mess. We need teammates who are reading from the same manual. You know, many years ago, and we share again these stories a lot, but I wanted to reshare some of them today, is, you know, Pastor John, we talk about early on in our marriage before we had children, that out of nowhere, he just started getting this excruciating pain in his body, in his abdomen, in his back. And three times in a row, he woke me up to go to the ER, and every single time, they just said, you must be constipated, and they'd send him home. And this is where John says his appreciation for constipated people grew very greatly because he was in so much pain. And so after the third time of being sent home from the ER, he woke me up again and he's like, I have to go. I, something is wrong. And so we went back in. They really dealt with this really flippantly. Oh, the constipated guy's back, you know. And, uh, and so they were just kind of really rude to us. But they actually decided at this point to do some blood work. And so when they did the blood work and they came back into the room, they looked at us and they looked me in the eye and they said, do you have a will? That was their first question. Do you have a will? And they began to explain that John's, both of his kidneys were in massive renal failure and he needed to be admitted right away. And every day, John grew worse. And every day, they were talking about dialysis. And, and every day, we had well-meaning friends who were Christians come into that hospital room, and they gave us their sympathy and, quite honestly, very powerless prayers. And we're thinking to ourselves, we're just two or three years into being married. Like we have a whole life ahead of us. He's literally on his deathbed and all you're gonna give me is some comfort and a chicken casserole. <laughs> we needed a whole lot more than that in our time of need. And so what the thing was, we didn't have teammates at that time that were fully trained in this manual. 
We, we, didn't, we didn't even know how to fully operate with all the truths about healing that are in this manual. So I thank God for Awakened Church that had trained up champions that were willing to go into that hospital room that we, we didn't even attend this church that they didn't even know who we were. They sent champions into that hospital room and they declared heaven come to earth, that God's will would be done, which is healing for all. And they, and they came against sickness and infirmity and released the power of God like we have never felt in our lives before. And those pow that powerful prayer allowed John to get up from that hospital bed and walk out on out of that hospital. The doctors had no idea what happened. It was a complete miracle, but it only happened because we had new teammates that were champions and they knew the word of God and they had the right manual. We need teammates and trainers who will be on our side whether we are winning or losing. And more importantly, even when we are losing, we need teammates on our side that will encourage us on. Rocky Balboa says, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You and me or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about how hard you can, or how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done, and that's how champions are made. And when, and when. You have taken blow after blow and you're down for the count and you can hear life counting down from 10. Are you, do you have people in your corner that believe in you when you are down on the mat and you do not believe in yourself? You have no breath or strength in your lungs. Do you have people that are willing to chant and to cheer your name and declare the word of God over your life when you don't even believe it for yourself? There's a story in the Bible about Moses and the Israelites. An enemy had come against the Israelite army. So Moses sent Joshua and his army to go battle against the enemy in the valley. And Moses said, I'm gonna go up on the hillside and I'm gonna take Aaron and her with me. And the Bible says that whenever Moses was lifting his rod to the Lord and lifting his hands to heaven, that they were prevailing in the battle. Yet when he started to grow weary and could not hold his hands up anymore, it said that the enemy began to prevail and there began to be casualties in the valley. When you are leading a household and you are weary and your arms are coming down, I need you to understand that there can be casualties in the valley. If you don't have an Aaron and a Her, they will put a rock behind you to restaurant and, restaurant and lift up your hands when you have no strength in yourself. Do you have an Aaron and a Her helping lift you up when you are weak and they can be strong for you to ensure that things don't come crashing down in the battles around you. They are literally contending for your battle, your victory when you have lost hope, when you have lost strength? Do we have an Aaron and her that have been trained by the same manual that can hold our hands up, that can pick us up from the mat and continue to encourage us to press on and move forward? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to the wives for a few moments. I want to ask us honestly, and I think at different seasons in my life, I would answer differently. What kind of teammate are we to our husbands? What kind of teammate? Proverbs 14, one says, a wise woman builds her home 
but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Are we building up our homes? Are we building up our husbands or are we tearing them down? Whether they are winning or losing, our response as wives needs to always be the same. Cheering them on, encouraging them, and supporting them, especially when they've lost or are losing a battle. They need us to build them up and believe in them when they don't even believe in themselves anymore. You know, I referenced the story of us losing everything um, many, many years ago. And that was honestly, while we didn't allow fear to set in, it was an extremely difficult season. Um, we had made some mistakes in investing, you know, and, and during that season, while we were being a real aggressive in investments, you know, I had communicated to John that I wasn't, get, I was uncomfortable. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in, into this. I, I felt like we were moving too fast and buying too many homes. And, and I let him know that I didn't, I didn't want to be in this place, yet we continued to, to purchase homes. And like I said, when the contractors fell through and didn't complete the homes, but the loans were due, when people stopped paying rent, we literally lost everything down to $200 in our bank account. And I watched my husband. It would have been so easy for me to be like, I told you so. And here's the thing. He was beating himself up. I saw it on his face, like his demeanor. He was so beaten down and he was so bruised. And I knew he was doing it to himself. And I knew the devil was doing it to him too. He was so beaten down and felt so ashamed that he had put his family in this situation. The last thing he needed from his bride was to add a few more punches and blows to his already depleted state. What he needed for me to say, whether you got us into this, into this situation or not, we, we are going to get through this together and we are going to be okay and I'm going to be okay and I believe in you. Let's rebuild our lives together and I supported him and we, and I believed in us and we we rebuilt our lives together. And I remember just knowing that that was the, uh, the right response in that time to believe in him, to encourage him, to not say anything negative or add any blows, you know, to the punches he was already taking. And it was years later, he was preaching this message from the stage. And it was the first time I really heard how much that time meant to him. That in a time where I had every right to blame and accuse and throw punches that I never did, that I always stood by his side and I believed in him and I loved him and we prayed through it together. Are we tearing our house down with our own hands or are we building it up by our words and our encouragement and our belief and our love and support and our cheerleading of the greatest men that God has given us? Amen. We'll share one more story with you. It's a more recent story. So before you all assume I'm a saint, I will disparage myself so we all can feel better about ourselves. Um, in test, yeah, or you can go ahead and put that up here. Um, so this has been a really interesting season for John and I. Like many months ago, we really felt the Lord of the Lord was that we were to sell our home that we thought we would be living in like till the kids graduated high school. Like I love my house. It was the miracle house. It was the recovery of all that was lost. It was everything. And I, and I adore my home. 
But God really started to speak to us about maybe selling our home and moving to a new territory in San Diego. The territory we're actually believing for, some of our biggest campuses will be um, revealed to us that we will oversee. And so, you know, John started talking about, you know, selling our home. And so we started looking for houses months ago, more casually, kind of seriously, but more casually. And uh, we had always thought that we would put our house on the market once we found a home that we wanted to put an offer in on. But then we felt the word of the Lord say, how about you move and I'll move? And so, and we knew this home was going to be a stretch. And it was confirmed with the prophetic word from Mike Maiden where he said, I see a new home, I see a new territory, and I see double. God is going to give you double. And we're thinking, well, that's amazing. Are we going to get double the income? Like, okay, Lord, like you're literally asking us to sell our, our current dream home to go for a home that we don't yet know of in a territory that's more than double the price in a season where the market is out of control. So the homes that are double the price need to be fully remodeled anyways. Can you feel me? Which I'm game. I'm game. I'm down. Whatever. I'll do it. <clears throat> I'm good. But so we're in this season of like, okay, God is asking us to really step out. And he just told us to move first before we knew where we were moving. And so we put our house on the market and we're supposed to be closing on Friday, right? Yeah, we're supposed to be closing and selling our house on Friday. Yeah. The funny thing is, we don't know where we're going yet. I mean, we have some rent back. We're going to be, but I'm actually not worried. Like God, God told us to do it. He knows the market. He knows the income. He knows the territory. He knows what the house is. I just haven't been enlightened to where that is yet. But I trust God. I trust him. There can be a peace and the ease on the inside of me because he is going to be faithful to us because we've been obedient to his word and faithful givers. So we are in a season where we are stretching. We are stretching our faith. We are stretching with God. We are stretching in our finances to increase our, our land and our territory. And so we're, it's in a very season where we need to be wise with our income and uh, do all that we can do on our side and then let God do the multiplying that he does on his side. However, we're in this season and, and we're doing all of these things and then Mother's Day comes around. You know, and, and I rarely like say things I want, right? Like I don't ever go like, ooh, I want that or I want this. I'm not, I'm not really like a, I don't know. I just, I've, I'm, yeah, I'm not a huge gift person and I've never really been fully into like designer stuff or nice stuff or I love it all, I appreciate it all, but I never like really like needed it or asked for it. Um, but as you get older, I feel like your appreciation for those things grows a little bit. And so... I had mentioned I saw someone with this purse. It was this gorgeous black purse, and it had the um, the YSL on the front. And and I, to be honest, I still don't know what YSL stands for. <laughs> Not a clue, because I was like never into designer stuff really. And so again, my appreciation's growing. But you know, so I had communicated like I would love this purse. It's so outrageously priced. Like I'm all about having nice things. Go for it. But I was just like, what is it made out of? Like gold? I, why is these or these things so expensive? It's a bag. It's a bag. And so, but then on Father's Day, you know, the kids are all excited. Or Mother's Day, the kids are all excited. And John's and they present this box to me, and I start to open it. I'm like, oh, this looks like a purse. I'm like, oh my gosh, could he have gotten me the purse that had the YSL on the front that I don't know what it stands for, but I want it. 
And so then I, you know, I, the kids are all excited because they contributed financially, and, and I open up this purse. And I immediately notice it looks exactly like the one I want, but where's the YSL thing? <laughs> it had another designer logo on it that was also beautiful, but it wasn't the YSL one. And so in that moment, I felt like massive disappointment. And I remember just putting a smile on my face and telling the kids thank you and that I love it. Um, and then I, I just kind of like stepped away and I was gonna walk up to my room. But before my feet even walked through the door of my room, the Holy Spirit started beating me around. He's like, who do you think you are? How ungrateful. What could have been a moment where they were blessing me and trying to surprise me, I literally, with my ungratefulness, sucked all of the joy and the love that that gift was given in out of the room. And I remember going, like, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And then John walked up to the room. He's like, babe, like, I thought it was a really nice gift. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He goes, I even called your friends. It was friend proof, babe. It was friend proof. <laughs> and he goes, I know you wanted the other one. And I, and I know, he was like, but we're also, we're saving for the house and we're stretching so much. And I, I wanted to be able to bless you, but be responsible. And, and he said, your friends even liked it. And, and he's like, but you know what? We can take it back. We can take it back. And then you can, we can just save up a little and we can get the one that you want. And I just felt like this wave of emotion, the Holy Spirit. And I was just like, no. I am not taking this back. And I put the purse on. And I said, I love this freaking purse. I love this freaking purse. After I got over myself, and all my ungratefulness and my little attitude, not understanding the season we were in, I actually looked at it and I was like, I really love it. But the ungratitude and the selfishness in the moment robbed me of the joy that should have been there when they gave it to me. We need to understand our seasons that we are in. As wives, are we good teammates or are we constantly stressing our husbands out with our unending wish list of all the things that we want in this season, even though it's not the season financially for us to have them? Are we always reminding them that it's not good enough, that I actually wanted this one? Are we putting unnecessary burden and pressure on him for what? So I can have a YSL that I don't even know what it means? What is the point? And I was just like, I. I go, I'm keeping for two things. One, I actually realized I love it after I got over my brattiness. And two, I said, this is always gonna be a reminder to me to be grateful for what I have and how much my husband was willing to stretch to bless me in a season where he probably shouldn't have stretched for me. So are we good helpmates? Are we good teammates? Wives, are we encouraging our husband? Or are we always living with some form of disappointment of something he didn't do? How about we thank him for what he has done and be grateful for the house that he has provided for us? Still believe for all the things, 
God wants you to have blessing beyond measure. He wants all those things. That's all good. Wireless pegs are not bad. None of it's bad. But if you can't be grateful in the season that you're in, while your husband is stretching and doing everything he can, I think we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. God is so good, isn't he? And we have amazing men. I have an amazing man in my life. And I'm sorry for the times I was not grateful. Making of a champion. The third point. Champions always get up. You'll never become a champion. You'll never have victory if you stay down. Rocky said this in the movie, going in one more round when you don't think you can. That's what makes all the difference in your life. And I just want you all to know today that we are all created in the image of God, in the image and the likeness of God. We literally have God's DNA running through our veins. We are sons and daughters of God, our heavenly Father. And just as we are carrying God's DNA, Jesus Christ, His Son, also carried His DNA. And in the DNA of Jesus Christ is a spirit that will never stay down. Jesus Christ knows something little about getting up after you've been defeated and beaten and destroyed on a cross. And that same DNA that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And so even we care what you're going through and we care if you are down, but at the end of the day, what is what is coming at you, what is throwing punches at you, what is trying to drag you down to the bottom of that ring, I need you to understand that you were literally created to never stay down and never stay defeated. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is living on the inside of you. It is, it, is, it is against our nature to quit. It's against our nature to give up. It is against our very nature and DNA to throw in the towel. So I don't know where you are at today. You might be on a mountaintop or you might be in the valley or in the bottom of that ring bleeding and bruised. But I am telling you today, it is time to get up. It is time to get up and become the champion that God has created you to be. God loves you. He is for you. He will not fail you. He will sit close to you, closer than a brother. He'll surround you with teammates and trainers to help you walk out the full, abundant life that God has for you. You are not alone and you'll never be alone if you surrender yourself to Jesus and the body of Christ that he has placed you in to champion you on and be in your corner. Amen. 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 Let's give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I mentioned earlier taking the wrong pathway. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to get off track or take a detour. But God's kind of like Siri a little bit. He knows the destination and he's committed to you to get you there. So it does not matter how many wrong turns that you take or how many detours you go on, God always puts in place a rerouting system. 
to get you back on the path, the path of life, the path of abundance, the path of blessing, the path of favor, the path of healing and restoration. So if everyone would just uh, bow their heads and close their eyes. If you are in this place, and maybe you've never even started the journey down the right path with Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you took some detours along the way, and if you would have known where their detours would have taken you, you never would have chosen the path. But you find yourself here, in this place. And no matter where you find yourself or what path you're on, God wants to connect with you today. He wants to become your heavenly father. He wants to guide and lead and direct your steps to give you that life and abundant life. So if you never surrendered your life to Jesus or you did once but you've taken a detour and you wanna recommit your life today on this very special day of Father's Day, can you just lift your hand up nice and high so I can see it, so I know who to include in my prayer? I see you, yes, in the black hat. I see you right there, beautiful. Yes, I see you all the way in the back. Sir, I see you, yes. And here on the second row, all these hands, beautiful. First row, yes, I see your hands. Yes, I see your hands up here, beautiful. Close to the top. Anyone else, who else am I waiting on? Come on, heaven is cheering your name right now. Lifting your hand could be one of the toughest things you can do in a church service but we're cheering you on. Yes, I see you over there to make the right decision. Yes, all these hands. Yes, praise God. I see you, I see you. God sees you and heaven is cheering you on. Who else? Yes, once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. All right, hey everyone, you can go ahead and look at me. Um, Normally, we would maybe keep you in your seats and we'd all repeat a beautiful, simple prayer and then we would instruct you to go to the response lounge to get your Bible and a book and, and equip you on this new journey you're about to embark on. But honestly, like my soul is not satisfied with us staying in our seats and praying a prayer and sending you over there. It is such a powerful thing. It is the most important thing to surrender our lives to Jesus and allow Him to lead us and guide us and be our Heavenly Father. So I'm gonna ask everyone if they could just stand to their feet. And I don't want this to drag on and feel pressure or anything like that. So there's actually no pressure for those of you who lifted your hand to make your way down to the front. But I'll actually like to just pray over you and with you. So again, you can stay in your seats, but if you truly want to come down, let's transform our lives. For those of you who lifted your hand, can you all just make your way down to the front? We had so many hands over here and so many hands over here and up the back. Come on, your family of God, your church family is cheering you on. They are championing you. They are so excited for you. They want to honor this decision that you have made. Thank you. Just keep making your way down to the front. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Who else are we waiting on? Thank you, Lord. So good. Come on. Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful family. Thank you, Lord. There was many, many hands lifted. If you are in here today and maybe you chose to stay in your seats or you're down here in the front, I want all of us to pray. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want all of you to just pray this prayer together with these beautiful people that have surrendered their lives to Jesus today. Let's say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you 
for sending Jesus to die on a cross in my place. But I thank you that he was a champion that could never be defeated, that he rose again to save my life, to give me a new life, to set me free. So today I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of my sin and I surrender my life to you. Help me live a life of a champion. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Heaven is celebrating. Your church family is celebrating. What a powerful Father's Day it is for you guys. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.